0: It's a performance development review. The term work has changed a lot since your day, Evelyn. Oh, you don't have to tell me that, lad. That's why the country's in the state it's in. Yeah, well, whatever. (sighs) If his and me have had a word, it won't happen again. Well, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but haven't you got enough women in that house already without the pocket-sized Sophia Loren dropping her drawers every five minutes? It was just an honest mistake. Oh, on whose part? On whose? Really? I'm a size four, you know, under this bulky overall. Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Condition Street catch-up podcast that thanks to the kids and show keep up this outstanding work. We're going to end up doing a podcast about a Weatherfield Hollyoaks. I'm Gavin.
1: Uh, and I kind of wish I never left that bathtub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had a bit of snow yesterday. A bit? A bit.
0: <laughs> and we had so much snow, in fact, uh-huh. that Steli, our youngest, went out to shovel the driveway. I don't know. Nine o'clock, ten o'clock?
1: Uh-huh.
0: And when I went out at 11.30, it looked like she hadn't done it.
1: Right, but she had.
0: She hadn't had done it very well, but she had done it.
1: Well, she's 12. Yeah.
0: She's getting paid. <laughs>
1: and then she and her friends went around and shoveled other people's driveway for free. A drivesway? Driveways.
0: <laughs> I think drivesway's
1: better. <laughs> that should be the word now. That should be a word.
0: Just like... Rock the Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) should definitely be a thing. (laughs) Yeah, it is Uh, supposed to get below zero this week at some point. Yay! At Fahrenheit, which is way below zero in (laughs) centigrade. I think minus 19 Mm. or something in the old old money. No, new money.
1: Mm. So what you're saying is I picked the right two weeks to quarantine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't be going out very much either. I don't (laughs) think... Is it still quarantine if, if I'm going out? Because you are potentially given your COVID cuties to me and then I'm going out. Right. You might as well just go out.
1: <laughs> <coughs> well, for most of the day, the only time I'm, I'm near you for any extended period of time is when we're sleeping. The majority of your day is spent in this office and this you don't true. come out very often. And when you do come out, I'm typically not around you. Yeah. I we see have, a shadow in the run back. In. We have maintained six feet. I guess. For most of the time. Most but
0: not all. I, don't which is think, I think it requires all.
1: Kind of depressing. But a little bit. Yeah. Well, you and the kids haven't exactly been going out very often either. You, you've been going out to to do my bidding. <laughs> a few times. Yes. And, and pick up a Destruction few Destruction
0: and evil. Correct. <laughs> a little bit of pick, up
1: <laughs> pick up a few little a things. Few war crimes. But, you know, for the most part, I mean, b- before the snowstorm, I don't think Sally had been out of the house all week.
0: She was in pyjamas for about five days, I think.
1: Right. She was in the same pyjamas for like at Four. least half of
0: that. <laughs> we sat down to do, She'd love us talk about this, um, SpongeBob. I don't think it was last week. I think it was the week before, and she was sitting for you were sitting, and I was like, "You need to shower." <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah." She caught the smell of herself, and she was like, "Yep, <laughs> I need to shower."
1: Well, that was Benny yesterday. Benny came out from uh, his room after remote schooling and gave me a hug, and I was like. And because he was giving me a hug, I I, I was privileged with a whiff of his <laughs> of his oxsters and yeah, I was like, dude, you need to shower. Before and he's like, it was yeah, I
0: know really winter winter. After school, he would go to the track and he would run about right, and he'd come back and he'd have a shower. Then he was right. sensible enough to do that, but when he's not going out to run about, no, yeah, that kind of sense seems to go as well. Yeah. Oh well.
1: Oh well teenagers yeah they're not easy to get in the shower anyway
0: how's it going then eh
1: like I said busy week stuff quarantine so much TV
0: to watch you're finished with Netflix now right you're going through the whole Netflix
1: no no I still have stuff I'm I'm trying to get I'm trying to work really hard because I didn't do this for the Emmys and I I feel kind of bad that I didn't do this for the Emmys because then I would have less work to do now for the Golden Globes um so I'm I'm trying to get all of the things nominated for the Golden Globes um, watched, and hopefully that will give me a jump on the Oscars, which are coming in April. You said work. Yes. What work? So, some of some of the some of the things that have been nominated for a Golden Globe, it's work. Tried to get through them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know whether or not I'll I'll kiss like a show that was universally panned on the Netflix, the Emily in Paris, which was universally panned, got nominated ratchet, which was almost universally panned and was weird AF and just the most confusing and bizarre things I've ever set before my eyes got nominated, and people are like, why?
0: Well, don't watch them then.
1: Well, it, it's, it's important to watch bad stuff as well as good stuff, I think. That that a movie music, which has been getting a lot of pushback from the um, ADHD and, and learning disability community as being kind of offensive, got nominated. I haven't watched that. I don't know if I'm going to, but we'll see, we'll see. And then just a whole bunch of stuff with dudes in it, and you know that you know what that's like. Although I have to say, I did enjoy watching the the trial of the Chicago Seven. It was a much more enjoyable movie to watch with Sasha Baron Cohen than the Borat subsequent movie film was, which for the most part was unwatchable for me. I don't the think beginning I got was through the whole thing. I the beginning I was kind of good. Minutes. And the end was kinda good. The stuff in the middle was just awkward for the most part. It just it just doesn't work anymore.
0: I came to the conclusion that I didn't want to sit through the whole movie just to see Rudy Giuliani struggle with his trousers. (laughs) It just wasn't worth it. So so I I think it was still on, I just stopped paying attention to it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. shall, Shall we preamble my dear?
1: Anyway. Uh Yes.
0: Give us some of that, oh,
1: award-winning.
0: No, because we kind of finished talking about Giuliani, didn't we? So,
1: yeah, but uh, we were talking about the fact that I'm watching stuff that's nominated for the Golden Globes.
0: Hmm. Okay, but- give us some of that award-winning. Oh dear. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Cody, <Corrie> news. <laughs> I have such low hopes.
1: Well, so do I. (laughs) It was a quiet week on Lake.
0: I won't be getting my tuxedo pressed. Let's put it that way.
1: Former Corey actor, Charlie Condu, who played Marcus Dent on the show, is still feeling the long-term effects of COVID, which he was diagnosed with last year. He took to Twitter to talk about the fact that he was having problems, you know, feeling with his fingers and his thumbs and his nerve endings. But I think... It's the majority of people who had COVID who are suffering from long-term effects of COVID. I think it's, it's the exception rather than the rule that you come out of COVID and you're perfectly fine afterwards. Glenn Wallace, who is currently playing Lucas on the show, has revealed he initially auditioned to play Jed, Irish Tina's ex, a part that eventually went to ginger-haired actor Bronwell Donahue. Can you imagine Lucas as as Jed?
0: I've already forgotten what Lucas looks like.
1: Or Jed as Lucas. Lucas (laughs) Do you remember what Jed um, looked like? No. He was short and Irish. He was Irish. Lucas is taller than Jed and better looking and has grey hair as opposed to red hair.
0: Is Lucas a a long-term character? I Uh, thought he was kind of in and out.
1: No, apparently he may... don't like that. Yeah, unfortunately. Definitely not like that. Uh, um, no, there's speculation that he's uh, sticking around. Not, not to spoil oh, anything. Why? Mm, I wonder why. Mm. Mm. Finally, Faye Brooks has hinted that once she's done hitting the ice, she might be back hitting the street as Kate Connor. And considering all of the concerns about Johnny. It it would be weird if you know if his other surviving child didn't show up. Then again,
0: they handle it with a phone call. Oh, don't bother coming back. Yeah. If if they even address it at all, and normally they don't address it.
1: Yeah, because there've been quite a few storylines that you'd be that we've been like, geez, you know, like with um, you know, the fact that Leanne's mother doesn't come back when Oliver dies. And and other members of that family don't come back when Oliver dies. Of course, we didn't really. It's COVID.
0: And it's also. Just the show. Uncontracted actors back for a. For a brief. For two cameo. episodes. When yeah. Probably not interested in doing so.
1: No. And that's Corey News.
0: Our mailbag. Would you like to know about our latest one star review?
1: Oh, lay it on me. This has been a long time coming. Hasn't it?
0: I don't know if it was a long time coming, but it was definitely coming after last week. I was just surprised we didn't get more. <laughs> this is from GM in Nova Scotia. I hope
1: oh, it's not, oh I hope it's Canadian? not Chloe.
0: I hope it's a, not Chloe. Yeah. A
1: Canadian one-star review. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I must be losing my touch. Oh,
0: you think it's you think it's about you? Yes. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) The booze and I hate that comments went on and on. So annoying. And then after the rant was over, Helen claimed the storyline she was so passionate about was in fact boring. Such a drama queen. Thanks, Jim.
1: She's not wrong. I am a drama queen. (laughs) I wouldn't be doing podcasts if I wasn't a drama queen.
0: Yeah, that's why the bio on my... um, (laughs) facebook pages love the sound of my own voice <laughs> you don't do a podcast if you don't love the sound of your own voice I don't
1: right think. right <laughs> although i guess stelly doesn't love the sound of her own voice and she does a podcast she loves to talk but she she refuses to listen to the Squarecast, mm-hmm. which is funny to
0: me i uh i don't um mm. I think it's possible to be passionate about something that you find boring. I will passionately rant about how much I hate Marvel movies, and I find Marvel movies inherently boring.
1: Mm. Yeah, one I, thing I, th- I think one you can be passionate about something
0: that bores you.
1: I think you might actually like WandaVision because nah, it's weird. No, of course, I would. <laughs>
0: You say that about everything. I that know. Marvel I did know because I never liked But you
1: know what? I say that about other things too. Like, you know, I keep telling you that I think you'd really like Lovecraft Country and you still haven't watched it. But to be fair, I just watched The Queen's Gambit last night. So.
0: I've got Dyson's Sphere programming <laughs> playing, which <coughs> has taken up my spare time.
1: I think also, you know, I was talking because um, Christy, our favorite Canadian librarian, Um, was talking about... No offense
0: to GM if you're also a librarian.
1: Oh, no, that's complete of that. I think everybody knows that Christy is our favorite Canadian librarian. Um, you know, had written a blog post, a couple of blog posts. Well, no, one blog post, and she's going to be writing another one about, uh, the addiction story and, um codependency and what Corey gets right and what Corey gets wrong. And and she and I had a long discussion about it, you know, and about our own experiences with, with it and with the codependency and everything. So I think one of the reasons why I'm really passionate about it is because I see mistakes being made by characters in a TV show that I made in real life at different points in my life. And it is frustrating and I hate seeing you know, mm-hmm. I, I hate seeing it, and i I don't think I have ever shied away from the fact that I really just i'm I'm not a fan of the Peter Carla relationship. I never will be. Right. It's just it's not a relationship that has ever appealed to me, even with this. And in fair- and you
0: say this while you're wearing a Peter and Carla t-shirt.
1: I'm wearing my <laughs> Seattle nightgown thank you very much
0: i I frequently mistake that for (laughs) peter carloff
1: the space needle looks exactly like peter um (laughs) you know so it it's 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 never going to be my favorite thing in fairness to me though a lot of people
0: (laughs) to me (laughs) Another of, great thing that I said.
1: A lot of people have been complaining that it's boring and stupid just because we've we've been down this road with Peter before, the whole it's alcoholism thing. Yeah. And it's repetitive. And that, honestly, I don't mind because that is realistic. Alcoholism is a disease that never goes away. It's mm-hmm. something that people with alcoholism fight every single day. That's why people who have been sober for years still go to AA meetings right. regularly. You know, that's just the fact of the matter. So I have no problem with that. And in fact, I am, am really pleased about that. It's the codependency and the Peter and Carla stuff that I hate and find boring. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't find it boring. Well, I find the Peter and Carla stuff <laughs> boring. The codependency, I don't find boring. I just hate it. Yep. So. So. Thanks for writing in with that one star review. I'm so glad that you decided to write a review about an entire podcast that's been going on for three seasons over something I said in one episode.
0: <laughs> oh, I think we'll get another one next week.
1: Drama you know, queen indeed.
0: I, I expected that we would get some commentary, maybe not um, right. Maybe not uh, threatens of fisticuffs and things like that. No. But when you have a relationship that is a very stand relationship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm using the word Stan as a verb there. Yeah, you're, you're kind of, I I went out my way to try and attract this for the whole canna thing. I still do. Every time I mention that Rana was crushed, right. hoping that some of the canna fans would have torn into me, but uh, it never happened.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I
0: hate, but I did hate that relationship genuinely.
1: Right. Yeah. Which is, Well,
0: no, I hated Kate.
1: Right. Fair enough. But, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why you don't get flack. And as I said to you this morning, you know, as a woman in podcasting, I've, I think I've been rather fortunate to not have, not have gotten very many bad reviews and, and complaints about. Being a drama queen or that's vocal true. fry, but
0: we're not doing cereal here, so.
1: No, that's true.
0: That's a bit more niche.
1: Hey. And now. Yeah, three niche post podcasts though, so. Yeah. This. Welcome, welcome, welcome.
0: Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Liberace's Dishwasher.
1: Did this have something to do with Tim's dad?
0: (laughs) Yeah, he was installing a dishwasher while dressed as a gay pianist. No.
1: To be fair, Liberace never came out in his life. But we all
0: know. Every time he (laughs) went on a stage, he came out. I remember when it did come out was it my gran or was it my mum oh what a waste of a man she said <laughs> I was like that really gran? Me, really
1: that reminds me the kids and I were watching were watching the prom um, this week and both children were shocked that James Corden is straight in real life yeah <laughs>
0: Never mention his name again. Oh, God, I hate James Corden.
1: I know, he's up for a gold globe for that part, though. Doesn't everybody hate James Corden? I think
0: James Corden hates James Corden. I think
1: most British people hate James Corden. I think most Americans love him.
0: Anyway, Liberace's Dishwasher. This surprised me because this was the 10,000th episode. That was last year.
1: What?
0: This was Sean's description of the inside of the 10,000th episode. fun bus.
1: Oh, that's it had right! A glitter
0: ball in it. It oh a God, the remember branches, when? Remember that was the last when, time Sean had a good line.
1: Remember? Is it probably? <laughs> remember when when they could do things like put lots of characters in a enclosed space for long periods of time?
0: A bus, no less. Yeah, I was governing. You were a little adult. <laughs> I think it wasn't early in the morning. This was one that we recorded at mm-hmm. night. This was before we started doing regular right. in the morning on a Saturday. That you forgot what the NHS stood for, so you just went for national medical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All because of the price of an inhaler.
1: Right. Yeah. This was. It just came up in my Facebook memories that today is the one year anniversary of, of me going into uh, our our um our Ready Care Center. And first of all, being shocked that there was a bin for clean pens and dirty pens. And my breathing was, my oxygen levels was so low that I uh, had to take a, I had to take some, a breathing treatment and tested negative for the flu and, um, and strep. And they said, oh, well, it's probably just bronchitis. Here's an inhaler. Here's some meds. Hopefully you'll get better. And I probably had COVID. (laughs)
0: Part of me does wish that NHS did stand for national medical stuff. would <laughs> <laughs> be, be so perfect You are planning events for the Girl Scouts and the river going as far forward in the future as July.
1: Oh, God. Daniel God, and Bethany yeah.
0: share an awkward wave and agree it's too soon for a relationship. Tim's dad is utterly appalling and then cries when he thinks of Tim's mum. Maria looks like the scales have fallen from her eyes and she sees Gary for what he is. <laughs> Nina briefly degoths Steve and Tracy might actually love each other, and the 10,000th episode features a lot of singing in a bus. Our moment of the week was Rita and the Ghost of the Past, and our boring moment of the week was the generational argument on the fun bus, and that was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street this time last year. Excellent. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline today is... Our last storyline today, is it? No. Oh. (laughs) We're going to talk about Alina Pop.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Alina pops out. <laughs> oh, Sadly, that didn't happen. On Monday, at Fizz and Tyrone's, Alina's doing the breakfast dishes.
1: What do you mean, sadly? Did I say that? Yeah, you did. I
0: didn't say that. <laughs> There's a really long conversation, but the long and short of it is that Tyrone snores. Fizz was kept up, and Tyrone's feelings were a little hurt. And uh, Alina thinks it's hilarious or adorable.
1: Solidarity, Fizz. Solidarity. Oh. Yeah. I kind of miss the the dehumidifier fans and and everything in uh, my, in, my we- in back in Florida.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I miss that too. <laughs> like a fucking drill next to me. Oh, Ty and Dave's lies. grabbing some lunch, staying out of the house for a change. You honestly don't think you snore, do you?
1: I know I don't snore. You do. I don't snore. I breathe heavily sometimes. No, you. But you, I don't snore. You do snore. I do not. Not the way you do.
0: I admit that I snore. (laughs) You snore. (laughs) Ty and Devs. It makes me want to record it sometimes just so you can hear it. Ty and Devs grabbing some lunch, staying out the house for a change. Dev operates a Catholic corner shop. It's a confessional. Anything unhealthy that Ty gets for lunch stays within Dev's walls, so to speak.
1: What happens at Dev's stays at Dev's.
0: Ty relents to Dev's two for one scotch egg offer and he explains the issues he's having at home with Alina Pop staying there, feeling like he can't have a proper scratch and how he's outnumbered five to one in that house. It's so bad he grabs another couple of scotch eggs, even though it'll make him gassy.
1: Right. I mean, in fairness to poor Alina, he was already outnumbered four to one. The only other male in that house is Cerberus.
0: Yeah, I don't think that counts because that's a dog,
1: right? And has he been fixed?
0: I'd imagine so. Although hmm. do he r- a- do racing greyhounds get their nuts cut off? I'm not sure. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe someone in Nova Scotia can tell us. Later, Tyrone is trying out some industrial strength earplugs when Alina comes in wrapped in a towel fresh from the bath, thinking everyone was at swimming, but it turns out that Evelyn took the girls. Tyrone panics and runs out the back door, and Alina disappears upstairs apologising to Fizz for chasing her man away. Fizz, though, grabs a bottle of vino de plonk and settles down on the couch, quite happy with how things have turned out. And later, when Tyrone gets back, Fizz winds him up saying Alina is continental and they're always running about in the nuddy and soon they'll all be at it and Tyrone looks like he wants to die. They have words with Alina who agrees to wear Evelyn's housecoat from now on. What would Evelyn have to say about that? Well, now
1: Evelyn will have to go around in just a towel.
0: Okay. Tyrone is in the shop buying milk. Evelyn wastes no time in winning him up about getting an eye full of the pocket-sized Sophia Loren. Ty calls it an honest mistake and Evelyn tells him that he already has a netball team at home. He needs to get shot of Alina and quick. (laughs) That was brilliant. So he goes to see Debbie of all people. She's in a rush and so he asks to walk and talk with her. He has something that might interest her. We don't find out what it is until he gets home and interrupts Fizz and Alina singing, as I think they're doing more dishes. Mm -hmm. He has great news. He's spoken to Debbie, and Alina and the other gang can move back into the salon flat as soon as they like. Alina gets ready to move right away, but Fizz tells her to stay for dinner, especially as she's the one who's making it.
1: Right, yeah. That was
0: pretty funny as well.
1: Right, yeah. You made it. You may as well eat it. Right.
0: So Alina's upstairs packing when Fizz gets torn into Tyrone He gets embarrassed and all of a sudden he's speaking to Debbie And getting Alina alternate accommodation Honestly Tyrone, it's like you've got a mind of your own now or something She scolds <laughs> And later Alina's ready to go Like Evelyn said, it's time she stood on her own two feet and got on with her life Tyrone is shocked his gran had said anything And just like a story that probably should never have started in the first place Alina's stay is done Yes and that's the end of that this week.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad I'm 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 not glad that you know, in because I get uh Google alerts for Coronation Street, a lot of spoilery speculation crosses my eyes from time to time. And there was lots of speculation of uh, a Tyrone and, and Alina affair. Oh no. And so I'm glad they didn't go that route. I'm glad they played it for laughs. And no.
0: He was always going to get an eyeful though. That was always going to happen. Right,
1: but he didn't really get an eyeful. She was wearing a towel. Every All of her bits were covered. She's worn more revealing things at the Rovers on uh, Girls Night Out with Emma.
0: I think as, as close to an eyeful as you could get at 7.30 on a Monday night <laughs> or a Wednesday night
1: Oh, please, I've seen boobs was on all- TV in the UK at 7 o'clock the Not
0: Coronation Street at 7.30, you haven't. <laughs> and I don't think you've ever seen boobs before, before 9 o'clock on British TV. Yeah. Anyway.
1: I don't like a medical show.
0: He was always going to, that scene was always going to happen.
1: Right, yeah. And it was funny. And it's played, yeah, it's played for laughs. And it was it's funny. a trope.
0: It was funny it's that a- his reaction was to...
1: <coughs> run out the back.
0: Run out the room, yeah.
1: And it's 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 nice how uh, Fizz reacts to the whole thing. How hilarious she finds it.
0: Yeah. And she's just relaxing, chilling out with her wife. Right,
1: yeah. And, and enjoying spending time with Alina, you know? It must be nice to have another woman in the house that doesn't hate you. Alina doesn't hate her. Well, no. Hope still
0: does, probably, but... <laughs> and Ruby's Jade. 50-50. Jay! Ruby's still 50-50 on the whole affair. I <laughs> you know... Yeah, it was it was funny, you know. Every time I see Tyrone, literally every time I see Tyrone, because the Tyrone thing, because he has a thing, is that he wears t shirts that have American place names on them. Right. <laughs> and I always think I should send him an Eaton Rapids shirt, or a, or maybe just a MSU shirt. Right. Michigan State University.
1: Well, you still have the IMDb Plus, don't you? We could probably. Uh... No, I got rid do that. Oh. I was gonna say we could probably find out who his agent is, and you know,
0: just send it to the show.
1: Yeah, but things get lost in the shuffle when you send just send things to the show.
0: No, just send it to the show.
1: Yeah, it'll never get to him if you just send it to the show.
0: Well, no. Challenge accepted.
1: <laughs> this is how I get Gav to do everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. By crushing me with. Um, Disbelief <laughs> and uh, untrusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get me to do anything.
1: Works every time.
0: Yep. <laughs> kid off Coronation Street.
1: I, I just think
0: it would be hilarious if any of that were that Eaton Rapid shirt. That's, he would never do that. What size do you think he is? A large? It's not an extra large, I don't think, no, is
1: it? Mean, I would just go with a large. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: <laughs> I think it was Boston this week.
1: Was it? I don't even pay attention anymore. Unless it's something hilarious and random. Because some of them are random. Some of them are not, are are places you've never heard
0: of. Like Eaton Rapids.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This shop, I think, is open in town. So as soon as I get this done.
1: Down to the locker room you go.
0: (sighs) To spend a ridiculous amount of money buying a t-shirt and postage. To yeah. the US yeah. Our next storyline today <laughs> I tried to get a name for this And I, I couldn't think of anything And then I stopped thinking of it It was Asha. asha's storyline Asha's Not so depressing
1: storyline Not story depressing line.
0: And devastating storyline This was actually At um, several points throughout the story Was just adorable
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: On Monday Addy has been reading books by Donald Trump and Richard Branson. <laughs> <laughs> and already, I'm in. I'm in.
1: And he's also quoting Jeff Bezos on the week that Jeff Bezos steps down from being the CEO of Amazon. So maybe he, he, maybe he should be quoting awful people more often.
0: It was just such a perfect way just to start the storyline off.
1: And it's very oddy it's too. Bought it's books great. by
0: Donald Trump and Richard Branson. That's his Amazon algorithm fucked for a good ten years. Anyway, <laughs> he and Dev are talking about branching out into home deliveries. Dev doesn't think it's a great idea. Asha asks if Nina can come over later, but Dev is concerned our schoolwork is going to suffer. And look, if all our time is accounted for,
1: if if our local gas station slash convenience store is now doing deliveries. I think I think Dev's little corner store can do deliveries. For Pete's sake, you can get deliver. You can get quality dairy delivered to your house now.
0: I've just realised there's something that I meant to do last night to these notes that I didn't do <gasps> last night. See if you can spot what it is. <laughs> So Asha goes to Roy's Rose to check if she needs to bring anything for her shift later. Nina is drawing some underwear designs. She worries that they're a bit frumpy. Asha says it depends who's in them. Nina is happy with the compliment over her drawings. So Asha's back at lunchtime and Nina's perusing a book of Victorian erotic etchings, which gets Nina all hot and bothered when ITV Cory comes in, demanding five minutes in private with Asha to talk his way back into her pants. He doesn't seem to have brought a book of Victorian erotic etchings though, so good luck with that. And he tells her that the stupid neck thing wasn't that bad So now let's snog Nina comes out to check on Asha in time To see her telling ITV Corrie to GTF He says that she'll regret it And mopes off leaving Nina and Asha To cock their heads at each other and smile No Later Asha has noticed that Nina doesn't try to upsell Any of the customers And wants to try it out on the next one that comes in She has to earn her keep behind the bar But not like that, says Nina Nina says but not like that Mm-hmm. That made me smile mm-hmm. It's a different business model We know model. she follows us Does she? Oh yeah she does Asha gives a, a coin to Nina Calling it a suspended coffee And then goes on to explain what it is Which frankly confused me I think it's like a free coffee To be redeemed by anyone who needs it Right yeah It's a like hug pay, and a mug Yeah It's paying, paying it forward, forward. Yeah It's paying pay it forward exclusively a here thing And not a there thing
1: It is something done It is done Yeah It's kind of a nice thing No it is a nice thing It's not kind of a nice thing
0: What did I This might be an urban legend I heard about someone Who was at the drive through And someone was honking their horn at them Because they were taking so long to order Mm -hmm. And I've been in the line where that's happened I was was behind the person who was ordering And Uh the person behind me Was honking Honking their horn Like an asshole Right yeah so what happened in this story was that the person drove forward to the to the window and said, "Here's my money, and I'll pay for the mm-hmm. the guy behind me as well mm-hmm. because I've I've inconvenienced them." Right. Drove forward <coughs> to the pickup window. Right. Got their bag,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then took the guy behind them's bag as well, <laughs> and fucked off. So the guy goes to the payment window learns that his stuff's been uh. paid for, is all very happy about it and now feeling kind of a bit sheepish for honking right. the horn, drives up to the pickup window to find that they don't have an order and then has to drive all the way back to the end of the line again. That might be bullshit. It sounds like that it might That kind
1: of sounds like an urban legend. Yeah, but... But still. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm.
0: So... Asha is playing for compliments as she goes through her list of failings Stripped naked and went viral Tried to bleach herself white And then ITV Corey. <laughs> ah, the wire brush of doubt, says Nina Quoting John O'Donohue. Don't let it scrape from your heart all sense of yourself And your hesitant light Don't be hesitant So Asha doesn't And she moves in Thank you, Pocket Sitcom, for that noise.
1: Okay. Yes. She she moves in. Well, it's implied she's, she moves in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because COVID.
0: Yeah. I think I quite liked what they did. I, I think it might have been two shots that they spliced together to show mm-hmm. them kind of close, because I wasn't entirely convinced that they were getting... Or maybe it's just the fact that You're not used to seeing people as close to each other as that That makes Mm. it look a little bit odd Asha's all apologetic about crossing the line But Nina says there is no line And is about to move in for seconds When Roy comes in Appalled that Asha is working in her school uniform (laughs) But after today He agrees to send away for Asha's very own penny This calls for a celebratory smoothie Says Nina Plus more smooching later No doubt Back home Dev has made his vegetarian lasagna, which Asha declares Is quite good He quitties her about her onboarding at the cafe and is surprised to hear that Roy is a chilled out boss Asha conceals conceals a wee smirk as she explains how the time just flew by working with Nina On Wednesday, Asha goes to see Nina at Roy's rolls at lunchtime and the pair of them are fucking adorable with each other And they flirt badly and arrange to meet at the metaphorical community garden after Asha finishes school Belter, says Asha's expression in the home, she's getting herself all spruced up for meeting Nina at a bench in an urban garden. And Dev is convinced that she's seeing ITV Corey. She insists that she's uh, dumped that guy. Well, who's the lucky fella? Asks Dev. It's Nina, says Asha, all matter of fact. And Asha heads off for a waz while Dev has an emotional breakdown in his front room. Right. Later, he asks if Nina is her girlfriend. It's the early days, says Asha. You're a lesbian now? He asks. That's so last century, says Asha They don't yeah. have they don't have lesbians anymore, asks <laughs> Dev Who's never been so confused Asha says that she doesn't like labels Do you want to talk to Mary about this, asks Dev And Asha rhymes the things that she loves about Nina Find me a lad like that and I'll give you a tenner, she says mm. She's happy and the only sad thing is that she can't remember the last time that was true She tells Dev that he's a great dad Now fuck off and let me get to my date, she says That was kind of adorable as well. Yeah,
1: no, this, this, yeah, yes, it was good. I I really liked, I really liked the way this was handled. You know, with with you know with so good some some confusion and stuff, but the way Asha is just really matter of fact about the whole thing, Mm -hmm. I I thought was really well done.
0: It surprised me because I thought this is going to be a terrible secret that she's going to have from him. right but if anything it was just has she said something too soon
1: right yeah yeah again you know a lot of the speculation leading up to this made me believe i was going to hate this and i don't hate this
0: i don't think there's anything that you could hate about it
1: right well i'll i'll talk about what some of my reservations were once once we get to the so what do you think about this part okay. of our conversation
0: <laughs> ITV Corey comes into Roy's roles to apologise for yesterday and Asha is far more forgiving than she needed to be and I think ITV Corey leaves thinking that he still has a chance there so Nina he does not he does not have a chance there, but I think no. he does
1: no I don't think he does I think we're well done with that
0: well if that's the case I'm not sure what the point of it was because they ended it you'd ended it once mm-hmm. she'd ended it again and he'd said oh you're gonna regret it So sort of no, I and think. and then they it's came in f- for a third time kind
1: of drawing a line under it and to show that that Asha truly is happy now because she's not
0: we'll see so Nina and Asha have the redate date thing and Nina is keen to play this whole thing slowly surprised but not annoyed that Asha has t- already told Dev mm-hmm. and she agrees to Asha's proposal of pizza at her place for tea Mm -hmm. And Asha says that, well, you don't have to worry because Dev's not going to tell anybody about this. Mm -hmm. This is kind of safe between us.
1: Yeah, she was kind of a little, yeah. But, I mean, again, Nina is a much more mature Mm -hmm. and put-together person right than ash and is. it's
0: not that she's embarrassed about it at all she just could be doing without the hassle right working as she does in Royal roles and seeing everybody right if this was to come out
1: yeah well and right and, and and also rightly she's like well it was just a kiss mm-hmm. and this is fresh waters for both of us oh. and this is not um you know i'm sure you have kissed people that you didn't go on to have a relationship with afterwards, you didn't automatically think you were somebody's boyfriend just because you kissed them, did you? Hmm. Especially at that age.
0: At that age? Hmm. I've kissed four people. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> um.
0: I'm not a very good barometer of this, I don't think. Mm.
1: I mean, I remember making out with. I,
0: I, I'm very bad at picking up signals, and I'm very bad at <laughs> interpreting situations. So it's conceivable, I think, for me to kiss somebody and then think that we were going out.
1: Yeah, I made out with boys. Maybe not after, eighteen, but after dances and things, that then I never saw again. So, rusty. Greek sixteen.
0: Concerts. At sixteen. Yeah. At fourteen, definitely. Fourteen, kissing somebody, yeah, you're probably going out with them. At sixteen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then Nina's not sixteen. Nina's what? Nineteen. Long,
0: long period from sixteen to. <sighs> when the only relationship I had is a sentence I'm not going to finish. <laughs> but
1: Your poor mother.
0: If I had to lose one hand.
1: <laughs> trying to do laundry in those days.
0: I'm not going to go into the any more detail than that.
1: Teeny tiny toty washing machine. <gasps>
0: just relax <laughs> I'm having fun with and
1: this no, I'm remembering your mother cleaning out my Wonder Woman undies again <sighs>
0: <sighs> god, your here.
1: <laughs> oh god you keep this up poor Timbot's gonna be out of a job <laughs> <laughs> oh dear we really are friends now aren't we this is the show this is the sh- this is now the show friends we talked about them enough. We are now Ross and Rachel. Pregnant pause. <laughs>
0: what is? that? Uh. Anyway. So the show At the shop, Dev tells Addy about Asha's latest choice and companion. So much for Dev keeping his mouth shut. Right. Addy notices his sister has been more chilled recently. Good for her, he says, so yeah. he doesn't give a shit either. No! Dev is worried that he's going to show Asha up at the pizza tea thing. Addy tells him to not mention golf or his moisturising regime and to buy lots of cake. Ladies love cake.
1: Ladies love cake. <laughs> Addy's not wrong.
0: So Dev goes to Royce to get cake.
1: I'm more of a pie girl myself.
0: And blocks out that Asha's Enough (sighs) So Dev goes to Right so that's enough of that I'm going to unplug it So Dev goes to Roy's to get cake And bluts out that Asher's being gay with Nina And Roy is utterly Roy here Asher's kissed Nina and is now gay no, says Dev, and Roy agrees with the lack of the label thing. He advises mm-hmm. Dev to take some pride from the fact that Asha has chosen to share something deeply personal with him and felt comfortable doing so. He should count himself fortunate. Mm-hmm. Well done, Roy.
1: Yeah, well, Roy was married to a transgender woman. So Roy is much more progressive than Fairly most open-minded. people right. on the street. So the Alahans and not
0: life- seem to have enjoyed their pizza tea. And Dev contrives something to do with Evelyn's PDR and takes... Uh, Addy away Dedication says Addy Nothing is bigger than the game And Nina and Asha rolled their eyes Totally seeing through what's just happened
1: Did Yeah are we Is that going to get it to a storyline Evelyn's review Uh,
0: I took it out This Well I didn't Yeah I started writing it as a separate I wrote it as a separate storyline And I enjoyed it as its own separate storyline Because it was funny Yes. But it really should have been what we were talking about. Yes. yes it really what, should have. And that's what I was going to do because
1: it only took last night. Last it was in like, three like three one episode, yeah. Right. Anyway.
0: So your thoughts on this.
1: So as I said, I had reservations about this storyline. You did. I had many reservations about this storyline. Um you know, as as I said last week, it is about time that we get some um Lady Eleven back on the street. Yes We have I agree I mean Rana's dead Kate Yep And Sophie Yep Gone off To gallivant around the world Paula is God knows where a one bisexual. And yet we have Five gay men living on the street
0: Is that five? Have you counted?
1: Yes We have Billy
0: oh we're going to go through them Right We have
1: Paul mm-hmm. We have Sean mm-hmm we have Todd mm-hmm. and we have James. Right. 5.
0: 6 if you count Craig.
1: <laughs> I was not going to get into that? <laughs> was it going to get into that? But yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it it needed a little evening out. And quite frankly, it yep. was it, my concern was that it would just be ticking a box. Mm-hmm. sort of thing kind of like the fact that they the, our complaint with the Baileys has been you know they they made a big deal about finally having a black family on the street which we said well it's kind of tough to applaud yourself on something when <laughs> it should have been done 20 years ago
0: yeah and they do something with it
1: right yeah it's like uh, there is speculation out there that Corey may get its first gay wedding this year and well, yay, that's great. Um, it's 2021, you know. There are articles calling the whole Asha and uh, Nina thing a groundbreaking lesbian teen romance. There's nothing groundbreaking about this, folks.
0: No, well, no. Brookside did this. I don't know, thirty years ago. That was a big deal, though.
1: Right yeah there was a time when this would be a big deal and groundbreaking but as I said before you know the movie musical The Prom which is all about two teenage lesbians wanting to go to prom and not being allowed to go to prom until James Gordon sings and dances his way into it
0: that no, would work huh?
1: yes, yeah. <laughs> and Meryl Streep into Nicole Kidman but you know uh, it's not groundbreaking
0: as long as James Gordon had nothing to do with it <laughs>
1: Actually, he had a lot to do with it, and it, but anyway, the less said what? about James Gordon is good. <laughs> the less said about James Corden, <laughs> the better. But anyway, so I had fears that it was going to be just kind of tacked on and and right. t- ticking boxes and being a little queer baby, um, because you know Asha clearly. Does have a thing for the lads as well. Mm-hmm. We've we've seen it. Nina, fair enough, is an unknown quantity. You know, right. she doesn't really talk about relationships or anything at all. That's kind of not been her shtick.
0: Yep. Which is fine.
1: So, fair enough. I was concerned because while Asha is 16 now, when they met, she wasn't. Mm. And I was concerned because an awful lot of the stuff building up to this like the drawing and you know the building her up and everything you know if this has always been something that was on Nina's mind back then you know if if Nina was a dude there would be some accusations of of grooming and and being and you know it, the age difference being inappropriate but Aside from kind of the awkwardness of that kiss, which, you know, I, I really just, I didn't find that I I didn't really like the way that, that it was done. You know, it, it didn't work for me on a technical, on a technical basis. I, I find this relationship believable, lovely, you know, and handled really well by both actresses and by the writing Mm -hmm. I think it's been you know all of of my concerns about what this might have been have really just kind of gone out the window you know the families have been lovely because again there was speculation that Dev was going to get mad and try to break them up at everything and be devastated by the fact that his daughter is now a lesbian Mm -hmm. when she is not a lesbian that another that was another concern that it was just going to be like oh they're lesbians now and and by erasure happening again um you know so i think it's it's been handled really well everybody's been lovely there's there's been at least one person on twitter to say that they came out to their parents
0: yeah i saw that
1: because of the storyline and i think that's really lovely too
0: yeah and they didn't expect to they just it just happened, kind of right. organically, which
1: yeah,
0: I can totally see
1: happen. Right, which you know, with this storyline, mm-hmm. you know,
0: yeah, I agree. I think primarily it's been acted very well, and I think uh, Tanisha's doe eyes, uh, uh, Nina, she just sells that look. You know, uh-huh. it's you, you're you're completely um, believing it, right? And a little transfixed by it. It's she does that. Um, in awe, kind of look at Nina very well. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, Molly, as Nina, does uh, a really good job of being a little bit more aloof. And And mature. mm -hmm, And and not really, because when you mentioned about the grooming thing, I think Nina's role in this has been fairly passive, Mm -hmm. although she has said a few things that could be interpreted as... um, as a come on right but could also be just interpreted as just being regular conversation you know what there, right. there's been a bit of an ambiguity in in the language that i think asha has picked up on right but she's done this very cool yeah mature whatever mm-hmm. sort of thing there's nothing that's particularly shocking as far as she's concerned right she's not shocked about anything and i think a character like nina would be entirely like that cause right absolutely be- because of her um, upbringing and because of her life experiences she's kind of beyond that right so the two of them are bringing some very different dynamics to this potential relationship of um this is uh asha's first uh foray into this mm-hmm. you don't know if this is nina's first or not and she doesn't right, really yeah. say but you you kind of think that maybe maybe it isn't and or maybe she or has maybe ex- it is Maybe she has experience of it. Maybe she doesn't. But but you're not entirely sure. But she gives this aura of having either the experience of knowledge or the the presence of indifference to um to anything that's potentially shocking.
1: Right. Yeah. She seems to be like, well, let's see where this goes. Yeah. Sort of thing. And which is
0: isn't phased by it. Right. In the slightest. Which
1: is good. And you know, at first I was kind of a little disappointed because we've had this. This great friendship blossom, you know, with a lot of female empowerment and stuff. And Mm -hmm. it was like, uh, are they going to ruin this by revealing an ulterior motive for it on Nina's end? And I don't think they have. I think I think it's been played very well by having Asha make the first move. And um, yeah, And and, and Nina still, as you said, kind of being a little bit above it all, like interested but not in a way that makes you think that this was her plan all along
0: right she's not fallen over herself she's kind of detaches herself from it a little bit mm-hmm. you know they just let's see how it goes as far as the writing's concerned i i completely agree i think the the use of the john o'donoghue quote mm-hmm. was totally nina absolutely and was uh again delivered by molly mm-hmm. superbly in a way that again could be interpreted one way but at that point you're kind of thinking, well maybe she does maybe mm. that is a little bit
1: And you know, we've 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 built up an awful lot of goodwill for the Allahan family.
0: Especially recently. To
1: begin with. Yeah. You know, now that now that they seem like a more of a more of a unit, more of a charming unit of um of a decent loving family and not dev versus the kids every week sort of thing. I think there's been a lot of growth for all three of them. Right. And yeah, I'm really digging it.
0: From the technical side of it, I think they probably did as much as they could, given the restrictions that are in place. I do feel that that little uh, two-shot of them was probably spliced together. Mm -hmm. And if so, fine. Who cares? What I didn't really like, or what made me feel like it was a little uh, it wasn't just dis- it wasn't not believable, but it felt just a little awkward. The the taking the steps to right. each other slowly was just a little awkward.
1: And then, but, and then, but, and then uh, let me th- you know the after the aftermath. You know when we see them again and they're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them looked like two people who had just kissed. You know, physically, they were both wearing lipstick neither neither's lipstick were smudged or anything there was no breathlessness there was no mussy hair you know the sort of things that kind of happen organically after you kiss someone wasn't there and i mean there's a reason why it wasn't there but
0: yeah because it doesn't kiss
1: right yeah but they but they've told us you know so i think that's kind of why that didn't really there it should didn't, be
0: ruffled hair and maybe a a it, shoulder strap should have been dislodged well, a little bit.
1: N- no, but you know, it's just like I said, these are things that kind of happen organically after you kiss someone. Mm-hmm. So it's kinda of hard to fake. So I I don't know. It I was did, adorable. It was adorable. And we loved it. Yep. And I'll I didn't think more. I didn't think I was going to love this and yet I do. Yep. So so well done, Corey, for, for catching up to the twenty second century. Are we in the 21st 22nd. century?
0: <laughs> Steady, Buck Rogers. <laughs> oh, Hold on. Oh no! Yeah.
1: See, now I feel like we're actually in an episode of Wandavision. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, uh, moving on to less <laughs> heartwarming stories. Let's talk about Todd the prick, shall we? Uh,
1: boo! On Monday, it's
0: Paul's day in court. Todd catches Billy and Paul in the street and offers to come along for moral support. He has a day of work. When does that prick ever do any work? Never. Whatever says Paul and he and Billy wander off, leaving Paul, like the fucking animal he is, retrieve his phone from his back pocket. <laughs> he calls Will. It's on for today. That thing that they talked about is definitely on.
1: Yeah, see, this this is, uh, you know, something with a lot of moustache twirling, yeah. whereas there's no moustache twirling with Nina.
0: We missed, Metaphorically. The we missed the hearing the judge is apparently thinking about it in his chambers but not like that her Todd, chambers yeah the judge a, is a woman it's a it is it's the 22nd a 22nd century Todd checks to make sure that they're in place although we
1: don't know what her pronouns are so her her <laughs> pronouns may be he him
0: and gives will a so never call. mind Who as ever is lingering in the shadows dressed in black the plan seems to be for will to break into their flat back at the court after a major amount of rigmarole and blah 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 the judge lets paul off with a 12-month community order 130 hours of unpaid work and 20 hours of anger management for their being there for moral support todd spends roughly five seconds in their company in the courtroom and then they all go off for a drink
1: right and the, the whole thing with the judge it was like well i understand this you're very bad because of this and well this makes sense I don't know if you're allowed to be around human beings anymore. And, mm-hmm. You know, the whole back and forth was a bit.
0: You punched an innocent man in the face.
1: But you thought he wasn't an innocent man. <laughs> I,
0: I sentence you to death.
1: <laughs> there was an awful lot of build-up for mm-hmm. twelve months of anger management classes.
0: <laughs> Twenty hours. <laughs> Meanwhile, Will has broken into the flat by touching the front door with a crowbar and showing the lock a screwdriver. He (laughs) knocks things over and pours pop on the sofa. What an animal.
1: It was beer, wasn't it?
0: Was it? I don't know. Mary is outside the florist doing the iconic Prince Charming dance because Mary. Summer (laughs) is home early for COVID study time or something and goes upstairs to see Will battering fuck out of the old piano. And that's what you get for playing (laughs) fucking chopsticks, says Will. No, he doesn't. She runs away no, while it's Will... it's
1: where Row wrote you about that they were complaining about summer playing over and over again, wasn't it? It's London Bridge. Ah.
0: So she runs away while Will calmly assesses the room. Soggy sofa? Check. Knocked over table? Check. Took a shit in the fridge? Check. <laughs> summer gets down to the street and is hit by a car while Paul, Billy and Todd are wandering home talking about puppies. And they see Summer on the ground and Will standing at the front door. Dum-dum-dum! We used to have a caravan in... Uh, Curtfield Bank, near Lanark in Scotland, Uh which is the caravan park which features in part four of my novel, The Scottish Book of the Dead, which is still available through Hmm. Amazon.
1: Wasn't it also in train spotting? A caravan park? Yeah.
0: No. No. And someone broke into the caravan. Uh Uh-huh. And they did create a mess and took a shit in the fridge. And the police said... This happens more often than you'd think. <laughs> the the adrenaline of uh burglarizing someplace does get you part of your fight or flight mm-hmm. if it turns out it's fight, flight, or shite is Well the, that makes
1: sense. Monkeys mm-hmm. throwing their shit at people.
0: Yeah. But why specifically in a fridge? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, not, how would you not even that, not that Will would, did that? How would you even that like, didn't
0: happen.
1: That would be a, a very awkward squat. Or would you poop and caravan. then pick it up no. and then put it in the fridge?
0: It was a it was a little caravan uh, fridge. It wasn't a big well, still, it, it that
1: that seems even worse.
0: Like a little man cave fridge, a right. little beer fridge. Yeah,
1: you'd have to squat even lower.
0: They dragged it out, put it in the middle of the living room, opened it up and shot in it.
1: Oh, so they turned it over.
0: Like it was a... Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right that makes sense <laughs> yeah it does make sense so anyway so where did we get to yeah we'll stand at the front door <sighs> later the ambulance and pc tinker is there paul todd and billy all saw will but no one identifies him and then billy goes off with someone in the ambulance and not even at this does todd show much in the way of regret here at the hospital paul seems to have noticed that it was obviously well but before he can say anything todd comes along He's got Ed to have a look at the doors And then they're off to see how Summer's doing She has concussion and a sprained wrist And that's the verdict And she'll be getting kept in overnight They head off home to get her a bag And Todd refuses to give Paul and Billy more than a minute's peace Even though Paul has something he wants to talk to Billy about Todd calls calls Will And says that they need to meet Todd has another job for Will Because this one was a literal car crash And Todd needs his prints over this <coughs> So that's all that really Todd's really caring about Mm -hmm. here is.
1: Making this go away.
0: Yeah, detaching himself from it. Paul and Billy are back home surveying the damage with PC Tinker. Who would do this, asks Billy. Why would you do this? Opportunity, suggests PC Tinker. What, a flat above a shop with only one way in or out? Archdeacon Billy seemingly has a better idea of investigation than PC Tinker, who changes the subject and asks what's been taken. Nothing They decide. And Paul knows who did it it were Will what did it as revenge and Billy looks fucking furious that Paul and Will are still in touch when he knows damn well that Will is constantly calling Paul and overheard the conversation that they had the other day where Paul told them to fuck off.
1: Right, yeah. Okay, so... I guess I kind of get Billy's irrational feeling because <gasps> Summer... Because, because Summer has been hurt, I, I can kind of understand, like... Billy's irrationality. Because it is irrational for him to be this upset at Paul for this. I can understand the initial anger. I am surprised that nobody before the whole, oh, it was Will thing, not PC Tinker, nor Billy the gay priest, or vicar.
0: He's an archdeacon.
1: Archdeacon, now.
0: Show him (laughs) respect.
1: And... Paul, none of them say, I wonder if it's because we're gay. Oh. Oh, yeah. I wonder if this is a hate crime. I bet this is a hate crime because somebody is mad that I'm a gay archdeacon, Mm -hmm. that the archdeaconhood went to a gay man sort of thing, because this is the sort of thing that somebody who's angry that their archdeacon is gay (laughs) would do.
0: The, the question that flashed across my uh my brain there was but would they take a shit in his fridge but that didn't happen that didn't
1: happen this is this is going to be like the the shack sinbad movie it's going to be a movie that everybody believes happened and has fond memories of watching that doesn't exist right it's the Bernstein bears all over again isn't it <laughs>
0: So despite this, Billy overreacts, blaming Paul for all this, leading Will to their house, which Paul insists didn't happen. But to keep the gods of plot appeased, Billy continues to be disgusted with Paul and storms off to take pyjamas to summer, leaving Paul to clean up that shite in the fridge. That isn't there. That isn't there.
1: I'm su- and also, again, I'm surprised that nothing more is made of the fact that how does Will know where they live? Because Paul right. rightly says, how does he know where we live? I never told him where I lived. Mm-hmm. And nobody stops to think, well, yeah, how did he find out? This is weird. If, because everybody's just, you know, Billy over the top. If Billy... Billy on the street.
0: Hadn't heard Paul say to Will to fuck off. Uh-huh. Or if Paul hadn't said it, then I think Billy's reaction is fine. But Billy did hear it. So how many times do you have to tell someone to fuck off? And then when they don't do it, it's still it's still Paul's fault.
1: Well, as Billy points out from the very beginning, Paul should have should have not. You know, Paul mm. did things in the beginning. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile, Todd meets Will in a darkened ginel and berates him for what happened. Will doesn't really give a fuck about this. He did his job, and the vicar will be blaming Paul. So pay up. Todd literally throws fifty quid at him and tells him to delete the messages from his burner phone and just get rid of it. Todd leaves and Will seems to just throw the phone in a random bin and wander off himself on Wednesday Billy and still, I
1: thought more was going to be made of that Right, murder phone
0: mm-hmm. Billy's still in a foul mood with Paul and doesn't appear to care when Paul points out that he was there when Paul cut all ties with Will and doesn't want Paul anywhere near summer. and maybe I could say Paul for a fifth time in the one sentence Billy goes off for a shower and later, lots of bathing this week yeah I noticed it <laughs>
1: we've already talked about two of them
0: yeah and later just to add shite to paul's sandwich todd shows up and he quizzes paul who admits that it were well in the refrigerator what broke into the flat paul's busy tidying so tries to get todd to fuck off but todd points out that he'll lose his job if he doesn't get his arse to work all pig's tit says paul and he grabs his coat
1: right yeah says todd who's never at work, never at work.
0: <laughs> right. so Paul comes home at lunchtime. Summer's home and clearly fine and not exactly worth an ounce of anyone's concern here. She and Paul have some friendly banter, which sickens Billy who leaves them to it. Summer's worried that something is up, but Paul plays it down. And then Billy complains to Todd about Paul, cursing him for bringing Will into their lives like this. He'd never do anything like that, says a guy who left Peter's sister for dead at the scene of a car accident. <laughs> Todd points out uh, that Billy, Billy's saintliness is sometimes hard to live up to. and that he should And then pe- also speak to kind Paul. of
1: abandoned Summer multiple times when he was addicted to painkillers because remember Billy was addicted to painkillers
0: so Billy goes home he loves Paul but Summer is his priority and Paul has involved her in this whole will thing love is just a word says the archdeacon that means nothing Paul Ah. says surely Billy understands how his childhood made him jump off the deep end here but smug Billy now thinks that Paul is a liability.
1: Further evidence that none of these writers have ever picked up a bible
0: I'm just kind of worried about how Billy came across in his interview to become the American. he Says, "Well, you know, I don't think love really is anything. It means nothing." Right. You got the job.
1: <laughs> what about God is love? There.
0: Um, but right, so Billy thinks that Paul is a liability. He can't do this anymore. So Paul punches a hole in the cupboard door while smug Billy shakes his head <laughs> a very, smugly. A very thick cupboard. <laughs> right.
1: Installed. That was so. It was paper thin. That.
0: <laughs> what happened to forgiveness? asks Paul. Doesn't work like that, says smug Billy. And Paul it does realizes work like
1: that, there's no though. way back
0: for them now. Todd watches from across the street as Paul leaves, chased by Summer, who says that she loves him and doesn't want him to leave. But Billy needs space for him and that fucking enormous high horse that he's on at the moment, says Paul. And Paul walks off as Summer goes back inside. And Paul doesn't notice that his jacket slips off his suitcase and falls to the cobbles.
1: That almost happened to me in the airport.
0: Yeah, that's a that happens.
1: Because hmm, I had two. I had the, the world's an imperfect place. Jean jacket and a hoodie.
0: Summer is pissed at Billy when Todd comes back with Paul's coat, pretending not to know what's going on. When he finds out, Todd is about to leave, but Billy asks him to stay and listen to him moan about feeling lost and reckoning this relationship malarkey is too painful, and maybe he's better staying off his hole for good now. Paul's heading for the rovers and sees Todd pick up a delivery from outside Billy's. And Paul gives Todd a Paddington stare like he's finally sussed out that he's being played here. But sadly, that's not mm. the case.
1: Or a Mary stare.
0: Yeah. Back upstairs, <laughs> Billy wants to get smashed and put the world to rights. Todd takes a rain check, warning Billy that drinking isn't going to make him feel better. Billy's faith in Todd has been restored, and he absolutely means it. What a prick.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> so, Seriously, it's like really
0: step aside daniel there's a new prick in town and his name is billy
1: what about todd Daniel's not a prick he's just boring
0: i think i hate billy more than i hate todd at the moment he's so sanctimonious Uh,
1: it it does not it does not shed him or the religion he stands for in a very good light
0: or archdeacons or the selection process that's kind of what i meant todd returns paul's jacket to him in the rovers it's my lucky day says paul sarcastically todd tries the whole sobriety advice thing with paul but paul isn't interested he's not even close to being interested what eats him up the most is that he could have avoided all this and he still have the love of his life summer and the best place that he's ever lived this is all on him todd doesn't think it's that simple paul thinks todd has changed for the better and aims to do the same Todd doesn't know about that and says that he's not responsible for what happened. Then who is? Asks Paul.
1: Yeah, but Todd says that Paul is not responsible for what happened. Yeah, yeah, that
0: was badly written. You're right right to point that out. Thank you. To a few hundred people. On Friday, (laughs) Paul's at Roy's Rolls. Just to you. He slept at Chesney's, it seems. He's really missing Billy, and while Bernie is sympathetic, she advises him that the real focus here should be on summer, and she tells him not to forget that.
1: Which was excellent advice.
0: It had to happen sooner or later, right?
1: (laughs) A a broken clock is right twice a day.
0: Exactly. Summer and Billy are chatting about juvenile podcasts about climate change and damp-proofing six vicarages, but not like that. When Paul comes in, (laughs) I've no idea, he has a surprise for summer, and it's a Casio keyboard that's not even been nicked or anything. Summer is made up and Paul drops off his key and picks up the last of his clothes despite Summer's offer to stay and listen to her play London Bridge again (laughs) Paul asks if it's okay if he still takes Summer out uh, once in a while but Billy's unsure because he's a prick and later at Maxine's bench Billy and his man bag apologises for earlier he's okay after all about seeing Summer
1: he apologises to the bench
0: right was that badly
1: written? (laughs) he didn't mention the fact that Paul was there Meanwhile, right. at the bench, right. Billy apologises with his mad bag. Well, he, so, is the mad bag <laughs> the one who has offended the bench, or is it Billy?
0: The shite from the fridge is in Billy's man bag, <laughs> which he then smears all over the bench. <laughs> then, Billy and his man bag head off to an important meeting to talk about all the new goings on in religion these days. Right, well,
1: while Paul and the bench look at one another and shake their heads right. and, and assault their as you feet. Get with that. Ah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: uh, Obviously, Billy and Paul will get back together. Yes. (sighs) Something is going to happen with that phone. Somebody's going to find that burner phone. Will will out at some point. Yes, that's going to happen. Sure. It's got to, right? I hope so. It's got to. So,
0: moving on. Oh, not moving on.
1: No, I mean, yeah. So, Will will out eventually, and then Billy will be contrite. Paul deserves better.
0: Yeah, I don't think I want Paul and Billy to get back together again. Now, I think Billy's burned his bridges there. Yeah, just by being such a prick.
1: But he hasn't, and they'll get back together. You know they will. That hes not going to get together with Todd, is he? That would be awful.
0: I would. Paul's liver. Paul's liver.
1: Peter's liver. Peter's lover. With some fava beans and that a nice cutty
0: on Monday, Ken is glad that Carla has reconciled with Peter but has reservations considering how much of a fucking car crash they've been forever. Right. She insists those think days are can. behind them. At uh, which point, in comes Peter, who's feeling much better, thank you very much, and they talk about what to get up to on their day off and Ken refuses to shut the fuck up about <laughs> stately homes so they end up agreeing to do that. Jesus, Ken.
1: Seriously, yeah. It. One look at Carla and Peter and you think, there's a couple who would enjoy walking through a stately home.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. one of them shivers uncontrollably. Right. We miss these stately home hijinks. Peter and Carla get back to the street and Peter looks like he's struggling a bit. They do a reasonable impression of being a normal couple until Peter suggests a pub lunch at the Rovers. He insists he'll be fine and Carla is already bottling up what she thinks about stuff, so that bodes well. Back at the pub, it's unclear as the flashing lights of the fruit machine The half-empty pint glasses scattered around The smell of the beer mats Or Jenny heaving on about the lyrics from Should I stay or should I go? But Peter can't <laughs> handle this and rushes out Jenny has a heels. thing
1: about song lyrics, doesn't she? This is not the first time she's complained about song lyrics Jenny. on the show Jenny mm-hmm. I said Jenny I
0: thought you said Debbie I'm pretty sure you said Debbie I said Jenny Back home Pe- I'm not sure what you said there Back home, <laughs> Peter's clammy and shivering Carl's about to get on the phone to the alcohol liaison nurse which is a thing I guess when Peter reveals that Ken found it awkward watching Peter drink his medicinal they've
1: got a nurse for everything
0: so has been leaving the room and Peter has been pouring it down the sink so he's already lying too great (laughs) stuff Peter explains how he's feeling how he was told seven years ago that another drink could kill him and now he's expected to ignore all that he can't do it he can't trust himself to do it Carla looks initially confused and then realises it's because Peter has just been honest to her (laughs) She goes to get the Roy whiskey and tells him that he either takes it or she leaves And later Peter is literally rattling as he stares at a small sniff of whiskey and a tumbler on the table Carl encourages him to drink it but he thinks he's standing on the edge of a cliff and she's telling him to jump Eventually he downs it, 50 mils she says and you won't ever have to drink that much again But it's no good, Peter isn't coping and he asks her to take him to hospital Which presumably she does and that's all that happens in that this week,,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah, so little that I, for a brief moment, I forgot that we had any Peter right. Carlis stuff.
0: The only thing that stuck in my mind about it was that they were they were back together, and they were almost immediately dishonest to each other again, right, and then they seemed to work it out, right again, yeah, fine,
1: yeah, I you know. It seemed a bit better as far as codependency and stuff is concerned. You know, it's kind of ridiculous the whole Ken leaving the room and not watching Peter drink because you knew this was going to happen. They was just going to pour it down. I this this whole you have to drink a little bit every day. You know, this
0: is definitely a thing. I have some experience of this that I don't want to talk about. Okay. So
1: in my experience with alcoholics, this has never been a thing. So I don't know if that's just American medical being different from British medical, but it's because with the alcoholics, I know a little, you know, having just a little dram. It's not enough. Is, is never was never going to be enough, and so mm-hmm. they would go out and... and right. And, right. Yeah, that is kind of it's kind of the, the, the opposite, you know, with the, with the pills that if you drink, it will make you very sick. Right. Sort of thing. Which was awful, because then you couldn't have things like mustard or anything vinegar-based. Huh. And if you'd accidentally, you know, weren't thinking about it and had, like, barbecue or something, you could get sick.
0: Mm. Our next storyline today... Is eventually Evelyn's review. <laughs> On Wednesday, it's Evelyn's turn for a PDR, which turns out to be all part of Addy's GCSE in business studies. Evelyn thinks that he's talking about a TripAdvisor review. Right, yeah. So she doesn't to ex-
1: understand what sort of review she, he's talking about, which was hilarious.
0: So they has to ex- explain, privately warning Addie not to wind her up.
1: <laughs> she's already wound up.
0: Later, Addy, she's permanently wound up. Later, Addy is observing Evelyn stacking biscuits, making some suggestions on how to improve. Evelyn calls him a slack-jawed spaniel and tells him to make himself useful and put the kettle on. Addy asks, no, there's a, a point where she says, how many more stupid questions do you have? And apparently he's got four questions. Right. What's the greatest achievement this year? She says, not punching people in the face when they ask for <laughs> non-gluten bread. <laughs> what can she approve upon? This shitty job. <laughs> what challenges do you face? The customers. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in a year's time? In an establishment for the criminally insane. <laughs> and with that, Evelyn fucks off for a drink, tell Addy he needs to get out more. And that's all that happened. Yeah, that.
1: she still doesn't seem to understand exactly what this is for. No. But she's hilarious because, you know, with the whole customer thing, she says something about people coming in and like their dressing gowns and right. curlers in their hair and stuff, something that doesn't really happen on the street very often anymore. No. It used to happen quite a lot back in the day on the street that people would permanently have their hair across. I
0: remember when that started to become a thing and it was when they opened up the Tesco and Falkirk to make it twenty four hours, the Tesco and Falkirk, which also makes it into the Scottish book of the day, but not <laughs> train spotting. Um, <laughs> that people you'd see people wandering about in their
1: mm-hmm.
0: in their jammies. They'd go out in their jammies mm-hmm. and their house go mm-hmm. to Tesco. Yeah. What's wrong with these people?
1: Yeah, and now people do it twenty four seven at the Walmart. Right, <laughs> but nobody puts nobody walks around with hair their hair in the uh, curlers anymore. No, that I is no longer, no longer a thing. No,
0: that was brilliant. And again, just the development of uh, Addy's character now. Yes, to being a little bit of a comic genius and <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, no, he's got really good comic timing.
0: Oh, it's brilliant. It's
1: a brilliant. We actor
0: so when you end up with him
1: and evelyn
0: and dev and a three-hander
1: right well i mean comic genius and legend maureen Lipman yep and this 17 18 year old kid playing 16 year old kid Yep. that's just what an education he's getting there you've got to think so right and and he's holding his own with her oh yeah they, you know the two of them are and you could yeah you could tell they're both enjoying this you know <laughs>
0: he's got deaf. a long
1: career ahead of him <laughs> that kid death
0: tells him not to wind her up <laughs> Fucking hell, just so good. our next storyline: Johnny on the inside on Wednesday Daisy's up at the crack of noon looking for dining recommendations in the northern quarter but Jenny's too worried about Johnny in jail and an assessment that he has coming up
1: Johnny in jail.
0: Daisy is so over Johnny being in jail and has trouble masking it, but Jenny doesn't notice. She tries to get Jenny to go with her, but Jenny's not in the mood, so they settle on the bistro later. Mousers. Mm. And the bistro...
1: Because Daisy can't pay for any food.
0: Right. Jenny wants to talk about Johnny, but Daisy's still not interested and is more keen to point out that the block at the table behind them is hot and appears to be into Jenny. Jenny giggles and plays with her hair a bit.
1: Appears to be into the back of Jenny's head.
0: Head. (laughs) It's like I've,
1: how much of jenny is this guy getting an full of she's
0: looking at daisy he's looking at daisy
1: right he's absolutely looking at daisy
0: afterwards and after calling johnny a fucking loser daisy goes to the bloke and gets Boo. his number for jenny Boo. on friday daisy is still going on about the bloke from the bistro the other night and wants to go out again tonight but jenny isn't interested calling daisy a bad influence and besides she's off to see johnny today which is more important to her and daisy sighs why does daisy care about this She's just so got it in for Johnny.
1: shes It's not Johnny, it's Jenny. Because remember how pissed she was that Emma was moving in and how much she fought against Alina Pop moving in.
0: She wants Jenny for herself, is that what it is?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I, I don't know why, I think part of it may be that Jenny is more easily manipulated when Daisy has her all to herself.
0: Right. Daisy's not a nice person, right? No,
1: Daisy's not a nice person.
0: Meanwhile, Johnny has seen the prison doctor in a cell with a desk in it. Johnny's eyesight will hopefully get better in the next few weeks, but there's more serious news other than being blind. His MRI has shown a new lesion on his brain, and a bestrubbled Johnny nods knowingly. And later, Jenny goes to visit Johnny and hears his bad news about the lesion thing. He's not going to be the same man coming out of prison as he was going in. Things are getting worse, and they need to be prepared for that so rita's in the rovers asking how jenny's doing and daisy doesn't miss an opportunity to badmouth johnny and rita who attended the wedding of johnny and jenny from her hospital bed gets daisy tell right then jenny comes in and is too upset to talk to them but later
1: well f- done rita yeah she
0: yeah takes no prisoners. rita
1: really has daisy's number and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for it
0: yep and later jenny fills in rita She doesn't know what to do if uh, Johnny's MS is worse. Do they move? Do they get a lift installed? Do you just leave them, says Daisy. (sighs) And Jenny and Rita both jump down her throat. Joking, says Daisy, who totally wasn't joking. (laughs) Joking! When it's just Rita and Jenny, Jenny says that she's worried for the future, that there will be no her left, it'll be all him, and then he'll die, and then what does she do? Rita looks like she might break into song, but instead she tells a story about Ted, not Gail's Ted, who she would have walked away from or who she could have walked away from rather as he had a brain tumour but she's followed her heart and married him for a few months and Jenny worries that she's overthinking it and also that she might be a horrible person Mm. still don't know where they're going with this Johnny thing
1: Mm. is he leaving the show?
0: well he's going to be in jail for the next few months
1: right right and, you know, this whole new lesion on his brains doesn't, it does not bode well. It does
0: not bode well at all, no.
1: I think the show is doing a very excellent job, though, because there's speculation on him and Peter, and nobody has said really anything confirming mm-hmm. either one of them leaving the show or staying on the show, you know. Everybody else, you've kind of heard articles about them signing new contracts and stuff.
0: I think it would be shocking if Peter was to leave. If Peter was to die, that would be a shocking moment. That's a major character. That's uh, Sean Bean getting his head cut off at the end of season one of Game of Thrones kind of thing. Is it? Yeah.
1: Is it? Because, you know, Sean Bean's character, at least, wasn't an alcoholic. <laughs> well, he probably was. <laughs> Everybody on that show was. But, uh, I, I don't know. I it's, mean, kill, it's
0: killing a major character. You can't say that Peter's a minor character.
1: No. No. They've killed off major characters before though. Yeah,
0: and it's tends to be shocking.
1: Right. It for
0: God we caught a surprise when they shot Robert. And Robert wasn't really I would describe as a as a foundation stone of, mm. of Coronation Street. Yeah. No offence, Robert.
1: Would we really be who who never got a funeral?
0: No. Still waiting. Still <laughs> waiting for somebody to claim that body. It's in a fridge that Will's taking a shit in.
1: <laughs> well, it'd be really shocking if two major characters died. Yeah, I don't think
0: they do two. or Maybe they will do two. Maybe that will be the.
1: Imagine if they do. I don't th- think
0: Johnny's ready for death, but he's.
1: Imagine if they did three.
0: <laughs> Are we going there's... back to the everyone dies portion of this <laughs> podcast from our early days in twenties? Nineteen.
1: With the everybody dying in the in the factory, factory collapse, collapse, yep. collapse yes. Which, in fairness, more than one person should have been permanently maimed by that. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> our next storyline is this our penultimate. I think it is. Yep. Our penultimate storyline today is whose motorcycle is this? It's not a motorcycle, baby. It's a chopper. Whose chopper is this? Ted's. Who's Ted? Ted's dead, baby. Ted's dead.
1: <laughs> well, On Friday, that was. Longer than it needed to be?
0: It was originally just called Ted's Dead, but then I, I got carried away. On Obviously. Friday, David, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory trying to scrounge some free <laughs> childcare for Gail, but she has plans with The Undertaker, so get it right up you. David is not impressed that she'd rather go look up some family records and look after his pig and kids. And Nick isn't pleased, calling this a members-only club or something.
1: And I love, I love this. I love the whole, you know, the fact that we have kind of, in a way, broken the fourth wall with finally somebody on the show saying, wait a second, why are all these people who don't work here, here?
0: (laughs) Right. And later, he's even more pissed off when Audrey, who also (laughs) doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory chatting to Gail about recipes. She starts talking about researching her dad, Ted's side of the family, who she suspects were better to do than the other side. (laughs) And this pisses off Audrey, who thinks that uh, Gail is calling her common. Are you calling me common, Gail? No. And then she doesn't let it go. Uh, No, no, really. Are you calling me common? (laughs) Then Gail gets a call from that London. Hmm. David and Tracy are arguing in the street about buying number eight. Gail comes along and thinks this is uncouth. She cares about her family. She's always been a family first person. Wait,
1: how is this a penultimate storyline? Because there's at least two more storylines.
0: Tracy recalls that David pushed Gail down the stairs one time. (laughs) David tells Gail to shut up. David tells Gail to shut up.
1: I know he tells his mother to shut up, but you know what? You know what he should have done? What? With the whole, didn't you push your mom down the stairs? She says she should. What he should have said to Tracy is, "Yeah, well, your brother pushed your dad down the stairs, so <laughs> it's it's not just my family that's fucked up, there, Tracy. Right. If that is your real name, mm-hmm. who you who will kill again?"
0: <laughs> Gail has been trying to tell them some bad news that she's received but instead she she wanders off in a huff
1: right yes because david has told her to shut Shut up up. but she's trying to tell him Mm -hmm. bad news
0: back at the factory gail is still feeling morose at david's comments from earlier she fucks everything up sooner or later she says she tells nick about uh, her bad news that she's got about his granddad oh i haven't thought about granddad in a while how is he he's dead no one knows what was wrong but gail is going to go to that london today to pay her respects
1: and see i i was surprised at this I was like, oh, here's an excellent opportunity for them f- to finally kill somebody off with the COVID. You know? Oh, nobody yeah. no, they don't know. No character has gotten sick with the COVID. COVID is obviously a thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody on that street should have caught it by now, especially with all the masks on and off and stuff. It he could have very easily said, Your grandfather died of the COVID, because that's <sighs> right. It
0: or COVID related complications. Right, yes. Gail calls herself a terrible daughter and a terrible mother. Yeah, and you're a terrible cleaner too, says Nick.
1: With a smile on his yeah, face. Yeah, and they all
0: laugh. Then Debbie goes to see her new BFF, Abby, to show that the bistro is now a safe space. She's throwing a ladies-only night during the day, so spread the word. Abby asks about the whole David and Tracy situation, which is the next thing on Debbie's list to take care of. Mm-hmm. Nick goes to see David to tell him about Ted and give him a round about how he's spoken to his mother. David doesn't really care, but supposes he'll go and speak to Gail about it. Nick tells him that he can't because Gail's gone to that London and David seems to think it inappropriate that she attends her own dad's funeral. <laughs> David concedes that as far as gay granddads go, Ted was a good one. The best, says Nick. The
1: best gay granddad ever who we hardly ever saw. And you Well, know.
0: he was in it, I think, for a while. Yeah.
1: Because, but we never saw him. Right, and even Gail says that she's You know, that she was talking to her father's partner and saying that she never met her father's partner. No. Which is a bit shocking. I've met all of my dad's wives.
0: (laughs) Not the one time. Oh God, there'd be a room.
1: Oh God, yeah.
0: Your mother wouldn't go. (laughs) Tracy catches Mary locking up the flower shop and mocks her when she sees that she's wearing makeup.
1: My mother has invited... All except for one of these women into her home to spend time in her home during the holidays.
0: Yeah, but they'd have strength and numbers together.
1: (laughs) All All but, you know, the one that Dad left her for, who we still spit when we speak her name.
0: Mary calls her Jimmy Carr without the warmth. She explains about the ladies' night during the day thing at the bistro. Tracy asks if she can come. Only if you identify as a woman, says Mary. I am a woman, says Tracy. I believe you, says Mary. Tracy thinks that she's more of a woman, in fact, because she was a lesbian for a while and slept with a woman, unlike Mary. Mary then goes on to explain about her Sappho adventures in Muff, Donegal. In summary, she was wearing ski pants. It got to 12 o'clock, and she realised that she was wearing very little else. Whatever the story, it makes Mary trot like a pony. while (laughs) While David and Tracy badger each other about buying number eight, Tracy says that she's going to offer Debbie cash it, for number it, eight at this ladies' night during it, the day thing. It so seems get to like
1: work. it seems like not a very successful evening. Then, as she was still wearing pants, ski pants. Yeah, it, which go over your regular pants, so they're big and they're thick and they're bulky. So if you're wearing them, the night hasn't really gone very well.
0: Well, that's just the start of it. That was the start of it. Other Bistro Tracy has some flowers to sweeten Debbie up. It was
1: nice of Tracy to remember that she was once bisexual.
0: Other Bistro Tracy has some flowers to sweeten Debbie up as Mary takes us tells a story about meeting Jan Leeming in a cemetery as a kid twice, and comes in front of a crematorium. And Tracy is appalled until Mary tells her to be careful as David might identify as a woman. In comes Debbie and David doesn't have the funds yet, but he's working on it. Debbie isn't known for her patience and has decided that he's had enough time and the house will be auctioned tomorrow to the highest bidder. And Tracy's pretty happy about this. Mm. Fine, says David. And he leaves and that's as far, mm. as, far as we get with that.
1: Mm-hmm-hmm. Monday's gonna be interesting.
0: aye.
1: aye. aye, aye, aye,
0: aye. I imagine that uh, Tracy's gonna get her hands on number eight. That's what I imagine is going to happen because I think they've been, what I've quite liked about this, and I said this last week, so I won't I won't beat it to death, but I like how not everything's going back to normal just because the skyscraper's not happening. I like that they've taken an opportunity to mix things up a little bit, so I'd quite like to see number eight in Tracy's hands. That's not going to happen. You don't think so? No.
1: I don't think it's going to end up in David's hands either.
0: Oh, that would be even more interesting.
1: I think there's a reason why this is going to be auctioned off and open to the general public. You know, it's not not just gonna it's not just gonna be David and Tracy at this auction.
0: Obviously, right?
1: So, who
0: else is looking for a house? Mm. Oh, is this going to be your thing with Bob? This guy, whose name I can't even remember. He's not going to be moving back, is he?
1: I have no idea who you're talking about.
0: The Irish chap.
1: Lucas? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Hmm, maybe. I mean, his, his company is opening a storefront in the area. So he said. Yeah. But he uh, says
0: lots of things. I don't know. Our final storyline today. On your bike, Simon. Oh. On Monday, Lianne is on the phone with the Leica company Simon catches her and she tries to cover But she's fallen behind on her bills Simon suggests getting in touch with Nick About it, seeing as Liana isn't working Which makes perfect sense But she isn't interested in perfect sense And insists that Nick doesn't find out about this Outside for your fries only Simon is chatting with his co-worker Clayton With a facelift I think his name is Jacob Yes. Simon's explaining that he has some money worries at the moment So the co-worker lends him 60 quid That's what makes a four, says this bloke we've never seen before And yes, his name's Jacob yes. He and Simon are chatting later when Kelly the Chin wanders along And Jacob hightails it when he sees her And it seems that there's some secret history between the two of them Though Kelly's quick to deny it it looks like she and Simon are talking again. He's bragging about his ability to skive off work. Hashtag goals, says Kelly. But it turns out that she's still a bit icy towards him because of him standing her up that time. His entire family was crapsing, collapsing around his ears. Right, yeah. Leanne's busy napping on the couch when Simon gets home with a bag of messages and treats and he's sorted out a prepayment meter with the likey company so everything's sorted.
1: Wouldn't, wouldn't treat to be part of the messages?
0: He, he separates it. Ooh. Leanne graciously agrees to put the groceries away while Simon goes back to work on a promise of a free bag of chips and remnants at the end of the night. On Wednesday, Simon has made Leanne breakfast and is doing his best to tidy the flat, asking her to maybe do a spot of hoovering later. She hasn't slept and doesn't fancy housework and isn't hungry. Losing a kid can play havoc on your appetite, you know, she says, and then she mumbles an apology and goes back to bed. Simon's day goes from bad to worse when he's late getting to school because of all the adulting that he's been doing at home and then when he gets to the chippy some prick snicks his bike he's going to lose his job and he needs this job delivering chippy teas to support him and his mum I don't know how much this pays but it must be pretty decent Mm. Jacob might have the answer to his problems leave it to me he says and he gives Simon a loan off his brother's bike And later, Simon bumps into Kelly the Chin again, who reveals what the issue is with Jacob. Sorry to piss on this bromance, she says, but Jacob's bad news. He did time for stabbing someone and word on the street as it was about drugs. Simon appreciates the concern, but says he can look after himself. On Friday, Simon is off to college and then work, but he'll come home at lunch to make Leanne something to eat. She calls him the man of the house, impressed that he's been pulling his tripe out recently. He's just looking forward, but not like that. He's just looking forward to Nick coming back and there being some money in the house again and Leanne looks a bit pensive about this.
1: Yeah, that's a really unfortunate turn of, t- turn pulling of frame. Pulling his
0: tripe out, yeah. Isn't it? Other chippy, Jacob has a suggestion for Simon, a little side gig that Simon could earn some extra cash from and better still, it's a walk in the park. He has a specialised delivery for Simon to carry out and Simon agrees to do it, despite knowing that it's... Probably drugs and doesn't really seem to care. Meanwhile, Imran goes to see Leanne, curious to know when she'll be back to work. They're really needing her now that Daniel is off to teach in school. Leanne isn't ready and can't think when she will be, so she quits. Simon on the bike is meeting Monique in a car. He has a package for her and wants paid, but she, being the shiftiest person in the world, wants to check the quality first. He's unsure, but she makes out like he's a novice. So he gives her the package, and Monique predictably drives off, running over Simon's bike's front wheel in the process. Oh, pig's tits, says Simon. And back at the chippy, Jacob is not happy with the bike or the fact that the drop didn't work. He's furious that a simple exchange didn't go according to plan, and now they owe Mr Big a grand. There'll be consequences to this. And Daniel, from his vantage point, sees this and seems to hear the exchange. So the two of them meet at speed dial, Daniel wanting to know what the exchange was about and Simon explains but this whole thing is going to ca- cost a fortune to fix getting the, this bike replaced and stuff and Daniel's advice is to tell his parents. The scales fall off Simon's eyes at this enlightenment and he nods approvingly. So Simon goes home and is about to tell Leanne about the bike stuff when she tells him about the Imran stuff. She can't go back to work but thank God we've got your chippy wage eh? Yikes. Aye 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 Simon skips Peter and goes to see Nick at the factory, even though Simon doesn't work at the factory. Nick is on the phone berating a customer for not paying up and explaining how little sympathy he has for fucking freeloaders. Then he gets a call from Natasha. once that's done, Simon asks when Nick is moving back. And apparently it's all been pushed because Natasha is sticking around in that London for a little bit longer. Great, says Simon, and he leaves. And then we see Jacob meeting up in an alley with this Monique character. The mm. whole thing was a scam and then Jacob tells Simon that he has to work for free until his debt's paid off. Wicked, says Simon. And later, he lies to Daniel and tells him everything has been fixed because Leanne's going to pay it all off.
1: Now, the whole delivery thing, Dev had just started it. Dev mm. had just started this uh-huh. and yet Jacob acts like he's been working there forever and like he knows the boss better and we never
0: see who the manager is of the the chippy
1: simon does because there's some confusion where 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 simon says to him what dev and he's like no 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 this this other guy and it's like this could be very easily solved by simon actually going inside and talking to his actual boss about these things he never does he never does
0: at home Jacob uh. calls Simon He has another job from him to deliver drugs to someone called Mui Simon who recently couldn't be trusted with his own bike With Jacob's brother's bike Or with a big bag of drugs Is apparently trusted by Jacob to keep a cache of drugs In his backpack He wants a couple of grams so Simon has to Fetch it out of his backpack Leanne briefly comes in interested to know Who was calling and then goes back to bed As Simon heads out to make sure that this Mui character is high as fuck Come the weekend and that is how we end this week's episodes.
1: And see, this is my concern that Leon's going to lose both of her boys.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. I was a little surprised at how quickly Simon went down this path.
1: Right. Kinda yeah, me annoying. too. Me too. And And how seemingly naive he is when... Enough has happened in his life at this point where you would think he wouldn't be as naive as he is.
0: He's been this naive character before. Right. But I think you're right. I think in this situation, what Simon would have done with Monique in the car is said, well, if you don't pay me, I'm going to fuck off.
1: Right. That's what, yeah. And the fact that he leaves his bike somehow in the middle of the the road road, in front of her car doesn't make any sense either. No. Except plot. Well, sure. And I don't understand about his bike because he had it. He's talking to this guy and then he turns around and it's gone. How did somebody steal his bike with him standing right there?
0: It was David Blaine, I think.
1: (laughs) It's kind of sad that Nick is the best parent Simon has right now. (laughs) The and I and I understand that Nick is kind of distracted by, you know, Sam and and other things. But I was kind of surprised, especially since he kept saying, no, no, no wait, I'll be with you in a second. No, stay, stay, stay. Mm-hmm. That he let Simon go so quickly. Yeah, I was really kind of surprised by that. I mean, well, Leanne and Leanne and Peter let's face it, are not winning any prizes for Parents of the Year for this poor kid. Not
0: at the moment. Nick with the phone calls thing is just showing Simon how busy he is, basically. right. It's important for Simon to see how busy he is because then Simon can't go to him because
1: he's, he's so busy. Right. But Nick being Nick would have made time for him. Because, yeah, you should know that. Yeah.
0: I'm thrilled that Simon's got a story of his own yes. going on the, yeah the, this is good this is again going that the, the kids are doing alright yeah here.
1: the kids are alright and the fact that you know Kelly the chin is still involved as well
0: yep I'm really liking her character she has little she's grown on me little zingers yeah that um, she delivers a very, still
1: really distracted by her eyebrow the eyebrow
0: thing I don't know I, I don't know what that is I, I think it it's I think a it's scar. a Cause is it because it, it? I've talked about my eyebrow scar in the past right I don't know if that's cosmetic or it. It is distracting, but I think she sits it, <laughs> which is weird. I know. I I would just prefer Simon to be a bit more ballsy here. But then, when he does get caught up, he he tends to put the people that he's caught up with in, on pedestals, mm. and I think he's doing that a little bit with Jacob, like he did it in the past with whoever was who was it that knocked up Amy. Amy. <laughs> Oh, Chris, I can't Irish remember. Irish Tina's son. Tyler. Tyler. <sighs> when those two were uh-huh. Tyler's gang, remember the gang? Yeah. Even though he's got kind of sass and attitude himself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he does, he becomes subservient to, to others
1: mm-hmm.
0: a little. So maybe it is a bit in keeping that he becomes. This- right,
1: but we thought that he outgrew it with the whole Tyler thing. Especially now that he's kind of man of the house and needs to be responsible and A stuff. A role
0: which she's fallen and, into very, very and well. And
1: also considering how he kind of is concerned about his mother and how many sleeping pills she's been taking and stuff. You know, for him to just slip so easily into drug dealing after watching his mother overdose on sleeping pills. <laughs> right. It's kind of. And the fact that his father is an alcoholic who's going to die of alcoholism. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, it's funny that out of all of the adults in his life, the only one who seems to be taking an interest right now is Daniel.
0: That's how bad it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When your uncle Daniel is the only one who's paying attention to you. But still
0: not missing the opportunity to give him a hard time about eating poppadoms and drinking water.
1: Right, yeah, that was really kind of fucked up there, Daniel. Which I think
0: would be free. You can't get charged for tap water. No. And those poppadoms, they come with anything, don't they? Mm. I, I think he's probably getting them for free. Or, go to the chippy that you work at.
1: Well, maybe he's kind of sick of chips. Because he gets them free at the it's end of the night. It's Simon,
0: he's never sick of chips.
1: Well, maybe he is. Maybe he's worried about his girlish figure. <laughs> <laughs> um not that pompadoms would help that but pompadoms anyway yeah it it, they're they're doing a good job i think of of creating a foundation of this next generation of characters for the street i think they're doing a really good job with that that the storylines are becoming a bit more progressive they're becoming a bit more interesting they're they're not falling into tropes. They're
0: more grown-up stories.
1: Right. Yeah. You know. Whereas, like I think maybe one of the stories that the started at all, the whole Amy pregnancy thing, did kind of follow some of the a very special story about teenage pregnancy yeah. lines. Right. Um, I think at the at this point they've they've really stepped up and kind of are are moving away from kind of what the stodginess that coronation Street as opposed to hollyoaks and and stuff are no you know mm. is kind of known for as being kind of less progressive than the other soaps I think they're 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 slowly weaning their way out of that and and I applaud them for it yep <gasps> did somebody score something? <laughs> Celtic
0: two. Uh, Celtic, have scored again.
1: Mother, well, is it mother well? Is your mother well? Is your mother well? No, she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Zero.
0: My mum would laugh at that.
1: She totally would. <laughs> I imagine somewhere out in the ether, she's laughing her head off as yep. we speak along with christopher Plummer.
0: so that was a week that was coronation street yeah despite the fact that we had a dead dad a hugely depressed bereaved mother an unwilling drugs mule prison blindness a breakup of a long-standing relationship i thought this week not was a A drug
1: dealer he was not a mule he's not stuffing them up his arse and trying to carry them into the country i thought it was a lot of fun yes.
0: <laughs> despite all that
1: Yay. yeah yeah was not a bad week your moment of the week
0: I thought Friday in particular was written very, very well.
1: Nina's Pizza with Alan?
0: We had the little um throwbacks to old characters and stuff that so was nice to hear the their names getting mentioned and, yeah. and stuff. Sorry. <sighs> I think it's I think it's Ash and Dev.
1: Oh yeah, Ash explaining to Dev yeah. she, that she doesn't like labels. And, right. Yeah.
0: And the whole lesbians are still a thing, aren't they? <laughs> the line was <that's> just brilliant.
1: <laughs> Dev, you know you can honestly with a character like dev it really could have gone either way i was a little nervous that they were going to make him be like no this this can't this can't happen and be a little traditional
0: the progression that dev throughout that scene to at the end when he's crying uh-huh oh my god was oh. just wonderfully done
1: kind of with relief that it's that is not ITV court, <laughs> <laughs> right. right, because he goes in there like guns blazing, all aggressive. You know, like, who are you seeing? Where are you going? Having you a that... your lesson kind of thing. Right, yeah. And then for him to slowly just, for all of that to just slowly leave, all of that aggression to just slowly leave his body.
0: While learning quite a bit about his daughter at the same right. time. Yeah. And Asha's... Deliverance of it very nonchalantly, but caring of her dad. Right, you know, not doing it to shock him or to embarrass him or to no. hurt him.
1: Right, she's not like, get with it, dad. Right, you're so you're square. You're so old. <laughs> yeah, Is that it.
0: That sounded like Mary's muff adventure for me.
1: <laughs> what the hell? We just had a blizzard yesterday. Go away, bird. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, it's it's definitely something in that storyline though, yeah. It would it was either going to be that or Addie with with Evelyn, which was also hilarious and heartwarming at the same time. Mm-hmm. I really just love the O'Lehans now; they're my favorite thing. I, I know, me too. You know, the only thing the only thing that makes me sad is that Dev shaved. Really loved that beard. Get over it.
0: That was ages ago. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Ash and Dave having a little heart to heart. That's a our-
1: Moment of the of week. week. Uh,
0: moment of the week. Boring moment of the week.
1: It was a good week.
0: Is it movie's drug habit? Pure movie.
1: Is it Daniel yelling at <laughs> uh, uh, Simon <laughs> Freeding tap water and Pompadoms?
0: Pompadoms. That's
1: what I said.
0: You said Pompadoms.
1: No, I said Pompadoms. I, I didn't say Pompadoms. Was... I said Pompadoms.
0: You said doms there, but I think you said pompadoms before.
1: Well, you also thought I said Kenny when I obviously said Jenny. <laughs> There's no Kenny character on this show.
0: I didn't. I didn't dispute a Kenny Jenny thing. I disputed something else, but it wasn't that.
1: Mm.
0: I'll just leave them in. I was going to take them out, but it made a big deal of it. So what? anyway,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't really want to spit on on Simon's big story arc here, but. Some of that stuff with with Jacob was just like so eye rolly. Like, come on, Simon you 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 can't possibly be believing. No, this shite. was boring? I think bits of it could be construed as boring because it just it went on so long. Jacob likes to talk.
0: <laughs> he does,
1: you know. And some of the whole, well, you know. The boss, the big boss, see, he doesn't like it when his bikes get run over, see, sort of stuff. It was just, or when, yeah, when he was talking about how, how great that bike was and how expensive it was, that was kind of boring and kind of ridiculous. Okay, and, Jacob
0: <laughs> talking about bikes. Wait a minute, what was it? See, so last week it was. Are you talking about pianos? But this week it's Jacob talking about bikes. That's our
1: boring moment of the week. A boring moment of the week.
0: Show we up, this one. That yes, man, please. When was the last time you showed someone your etchings, and what was your defence in court? Let us know, please. We're thetalkofthestreet at gmail.com, which is also our address on Skype for voicemail. And on PayPal, if you want to chuck a couple of bucks into a virtual tip jar, we're at Cory Podcast please. on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Please check out our merch store and YouTube channel, links to which you can find on our Twitter bio or on the other stuff page of the Talk of the Street
1: or if you want to complain rugby. about com. me being a drama queen, please. We'd <laughs> like if, to hear more of that.
0: And if you're so inclined, don't encourage people. And if <laughs> you're so inclined, please leave a rating people. and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Just, and we will be back. Just make next sure next they're, they're five stars. Talk of the street.
1: Give us a five star review and then complain about me. I love it. Bye. Bye.